0: Welcome to the show today, guys. Thank you for tuning back in. We are coming to you from Washington, D.C. once again for the 2023 March for Life, the first March for Life since the overturning of Roe versus Wade, which means there's a lot of uh, unpredictable things. We don't know how many pro-lifers are going to come out or how angry the Moloch serviles uh, and abortion demons are um, and whether they'll rear their ugly head or not. A lot of unpredictable things, but it's very important for pro-lifers to be here at such a monumentous moment in American history, the first year without Roe v. Wade since 1973, uh, the 50th anniversary of what would have been, what would have been the 50th anniversary of Roe v. Wade approaching in just a few days from now. And so we're here on the ground and we're doing interviews with just wonderful pro-life leaders and people who have experienced the culture of death in a very real way. And as you've heard me share on this show before with uh, Melissa Oden and other abortion survivors and friends of the Abortion Survivors Network, I believe that one of the keys to winning the in the court of public opinion, which will yield of course the change in policy is the voice of abortion survivors. Um, And I'm not talking about women who had abortions. Sometimes people confuse that. They think, I'm an abortion survivor. I I had an abortion. It's like, that's, no, no, no. I mean, the baby that survived the botched abortion that was attempted to dismember them. And so if you've been listening to this podcast for some time, you've heard some of the stories of abortion survivors. And I believe their voice is so important because it causes liberalism and abortion ideology to collapse in on itself like a dying star if you will <laughs> if the baby is allowed to escape the forceps intended to disembowel them and then they're allowed uh, well uh, without the will of every Democrat in the House except one who just shot down the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act, if they're allowed to escape the prison of Democrat policies and then grow and become an adult and find their voice, nothing strikes more fear into the heart of the abortion industrial complex than babies who were marked for death surviving, growing, and being a voice against the culture of death because they're a walking contradiction and they weren't allowed to live. They weren't supposed to have a voice. And so I have my new friend on the podcast today, Sarah Zagorski, the communications director director for Louisiana, right to life. Of course, she's in the pro-life battle. And uh, we have her on the show today to tell her story and talk about some of the insanity going on in DC. And I think the Democrats really going the extra measure to say the quiet part out loud and prove how evil they are. And so I think it's very important for us to have this conversation. So um, buckle up, you're in for a treat. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Sarah, so welcome to the show today. I'm so today. glad to
1: be here with you. It's an yeah. honor. I was just here last week in D.C. again. Yeah, I,
0: well, I was just uh, here last week, but in Arlington. I got a, a last-minute request to speak at a Catholic high school, actually. Oh, awesome. That's awesome. Uh, in in uh, Arlington. but It must have been 1,500 or more students. Um, and I was surprised I got the invite because big Catholic high schools, mm. unfortunately, tend to stay away from some of these issues because, mm. you know, a lot of people, they like the credentialism and mm. the the uh, respectability of a private Catholic education. But a lot of the parents and students aren't actually practicing Catholics. Right. So they that don't risk bringing in pro-life speakers. Mm-hmm. So they had me in. And then I got an email from a parent who heard from his son about my talk. And he loved it. This parent emailed me. He was so stoked I was there. But then in his email, Sarah, he said, except my son just told me the day after you were there, the principal got on the school speaker and apologized for how political yesterday's speaker oh was and i was like isn't that isn't that why we're in this position we're in because those who say they're pro life will spend more time That's apologizing true. for their beliefs mm-hmm. than staring the culture of death in the eye and Absolutely. being as passionate for truth for righteousness for life right. as they have been for for death and evil but you know all about the culture of death <laughs>
1: I do. and staring death and evil into the yes.
0: eye unfortunately of course yes. of course yes. unfortunately goodness gracious um but we just got introduced through our friend melissa Oden, we did yes of course who's the founder and director of the abortion survivors network and you guys are friends you guys just appeared on fox and friends together we did we did and told your story we did. it was amazing so but before we get to current stuff i i just think and it's hard, I'm sure, but I, I'm sure you get asked a lot. And mm-hmm. I'm, I know sometimes it's hard for abortion survivors who probably feel sometimes like the pro life movement treats them as just like a testimony mm-hmm. to kind of bolster their message. But you're a human being and yeah. you you barely escaped right. the instruments intended to murder you. Yes. Uh, and, and so I, I think it's just so important for the culture, well, well for everyone, the pro-abortionists, mm-hmm. the apathetics, and the church Christians who say they're pro-life
1: yeah
0: but do very little
1: right it needs to be real for them to, to, it needs yeah. to
0: be real for them beautifully yes. said yes. so so Sarah tell us I mean start wh- however you feel comfortable sure. but, but so, what's, your, what's your story yeah I
1: always start with my birth mother's story um she was an immigrant from Honduras she came to America on a boat as a teenager
0: um, wow she had
1: seven children before she had really? me yes um and she lived in
0: she brought the her children with her
1: oh well she had chil- the children in, in Louisiana in Louisiana okay where okay she um but um, wow. she was in a couple abusive relationships. She had a very traumatic past, um, and she was also post-abortive. She had had two abortions prior to her. Already. Av- yes, correct. Wow. um So she was a very broken woman, and um she was referred to a chief physician in New Orleans named Dr. Akpolavy, who is known for helping, helping minority women, <laughs> poor minority women, um, wow. with their problems right yeah um so he uh, delivered me what's called an induced abortion procedure and delivered my 26 and a half weeks when i was born i wasn't breathing
0: 26 and, and a, a half, half weeks, weeks correct which even then was considered past the age of viability oh absolutely which is a very stupid absolutely. medical concept that yeah. is more of a gauge of our current medical technology than it is could, the status I, of I the have child so
1: many thoughts on fetal viability yeah yeah yes, sure.
0: yeah, yeah yes uh-huh. so so wait so why was your mother going in for an abortion? Yes, it was that just was a late that was So her was it was an induced...
1: Yes, induced, yes, wow. correct. And, um, she, and tell
0: us how that works for the people who don't understand
1: they, the various
0: they, methods of killing babies in the womb. Sure,
1: so there's many different types of abortion procedures. Yep. Um, this would be considered a late-term abortion procedure yep. Yep. Uh, where they induce the mother early and then wait for the baby to die or kill the baby with, it in, back in the day, partial birth abortion through... Fourth, uh, through because I the
0: forgot, I, and I apologize, Before it, it, the it'll, come, era. it'll probably come to me in, a, in a one minute, but I forget the year that partial birth abortions were banned. It
1: was Ern Bush. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
0: Okay.
1: Um, so. Um, Although
0: they're still exercising them in the city we're in right now.
1: Absolutely. And you know
0: all about the yes. Washington DC surgery Clinic.
1: Yes. Um, yes.
0: That some friends of ours, one of, one of, very close friend of mine, um, obtained buckets. Yes. From the driver of a van of a vendor company that is paid by Santangelo, Mm -hmm. the baby murderer in D.C., to remove and take the mutilated baby parts after Mm -hmm. an abortion. And shockingly, this hasn't happened in decades in the pro-life movement. Last year, this driver was convinced by the sidewalk counselors to give them the buckets of aborted children and my friend AJ Hurley uh was there mm. when they opened these containers and yeah. he held the children's whose heads some of whom were collapsed in just like a baby would look if they were killed through partial birth mm. abortion so
1: well, so was, from, that, the,
0: was wait, that the procedure that was intended to be performed on you?
1: Um, it was intended just to leave me to die. So what happened in my case was I wasn't breathing already when I was born. And he told my mother that I'd be a mental vegetable, incapable of having a normal life. And she should just it, let me...
0: Incapable of what?
1: Having a normal life.
0: That's, you see, thank right. you for... Because that's the language of eugenesis,
1: isn't it? Yes, it is. Very much so. They
0: get to determine the oh. quality of life standard... Right. And if you don't meet their subjective standard of a quality of life, mm-hmm. then it's probably better to just
1: let well, you know. What do they
0: call it? Incompatible. Yes, with incompatible with life. life.
1: And that's a huge issue in Louisiana right now, actually. But the interesting thing about I've I've learned about abortion physicians is they like to play that role of God so very often mm-hmm. to determine when someone's life is valuable or worth living or can overcome, they think they have that role and they just can't make life and death determinations that way. That's right. So, amazingly, in my case, and I'm so thankful to my mother's bravery um, because of her past abortion regret, because she saw me on the table there, she said, I'm going to sue you if you don't get my daughter medical care. Whoa. Which at the time for Dr. Ekpalabi was persuasive because in 1989, the year before I was born, he was facing review by Louisiana's medical. Um, board for performing a botched procedure on a woman, and he was in the risk of losing his licensure. Oh, so, wow. all of it was bad timing for him. So, he decided to um, send me to Children's Hospital in New Orleans uh, where I was saved in a trauma ward. And, probably, unfortunately for him, fortunately for me, I did survive. Um,
0: wow. How long were you there?
1: Uh, months. Months. Yeah. months. yeah. Wow. Yeah.
0: 26 and a half weeks. Yeah. So, had things gone as they were supposed to, that type of abortion would have entailed at the time either partial birth or or Leaving me to die. digoxin yes. would they be using digoxin or potassium chloride at 26 and a half weeks to kill a I baby I think so
1: yeah i think so
0: so that he Absolutely. so had things gone right quote unquote he would have either shoved a needle into your skull mm-hmm. or head and injected. well he it, would injected. have even had to
1: do all that because i was already close to death so oh, but yes, yeah, yes yes Wow. Very sad, but um, very thankful for my mother's courage at the end, which is what matters in the end, is that she chose life. And what um,
0: happened to Sarah after you were in the yes?
1: uh, I always this is
0: into the I guess the preemie.
1: Yes, so this is what you know, this is what I I get into often um, because I share my story all around the country. But I did eventually go home, um, and my mother quickly had three more children. So I'm one of 11. Um, One of 11? Yes, one of 11. And um, I entered foster care for the first time at 16 months. And I was in and out of foster care for almost eight years prior to my adoption at age nine by an amazing pro-life family. Mm -hmm. And that family really proved to me that the pro-life movement is not what secular media paints it to be. They are not a movement that say, have your baby, but I'm not going to be there for you after. It's (laughs) quite the opposite. And I'm I'm a testimony to that. My life story is a testimony to that. Um, The difficult part about my story, I think at times, I think the pro-abortion movement hates as part of my story is I experienced in childhood all the things that pro-abortion activists say are reasons you should abort child poverty, parental neglect, abuse, um, my mother's um, inability to take care of us. She had a lot of mental health problems. I experienced all these things, right?
0: every checkbox Right, exactly.
1: I was also the product of an affair. So, so many complexities, right? I was.
0: How do you have a lot of memories being in and out of foster care? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. absolutely. was
0: nine—that's a long yeah, time.
1: Yeah, it was a long time. Um, and also in that process, I I saw uh, the deep suffering she experienced from her past abortions, the deep trauma she had been through, but also how the pro-abortion movement preys on women like her, and it's mm. disgusting. Yep, it's disgusting because they want to say that the solution to her problems would have been killing me. It was killing her other babies. But you know what? None of those abortions before with me brought her any good. It yeah. only brought her trauma and pain yeah. and furthered her suffering, yeah. which is what we know.
0: Yeah, yeah, shocker. Right? Yeah. 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 Well, and there's been lots of research into uh, abortions' relationship to mental health, yes, preterm birth in subsequent pregnancies, yes, and breast cancer, yes. And those are the three things that the abortion industry denies until their dying breath. They yes. say there is zero proof that abortion leads to any one of those things, but we have the studies. We have. Well, they the want to hide that.
1: They absolutely yeah. want to hide that, and they've been lying to women for.
0: For example, there's a, just to bolster your own point. Yeah. Uh, there's a book, um, by the National Academy of Science, NAS, pro-abortion group, and it and it's called a, uh, abortion effects or something like this but the book denies the whole book is written by the pro-abortion lobby okay, and okay. it denies that there's any proof or link between um, abortion and then mental health breast cancer or preterm birth in future mm-hmm. pregnancies between like i believe it was 19 the 1980s and 2015 there were 75 studies that examined the relationship between abortion and mental health mm. Um, 50 of those, 50 of the 75 found a overwhelming positive connection Mm -hmm. between abortion and a woman's mental health afterwards. The National Academy of Science book examined seven studies total to argue that there is no proof that there is a link between abortion and mental health. All seven of those came from the 25 Mm
1: -hmm. that
0: said there was no link. Compared to the 50 that said there was an overwhelming. <laughs> right. Anyways, all that to say, they've been saying follow the science right. for a long time. Not right. just the last few years well, of COVID. Well, they don't want to follow the science. Follow of, the science. Uh, follow the science. They
1: don't want to f- follow fetal science either. <laughs> they don't want to f- no. acknowledge
0: the science of embryology. No. They don't want to exa- acknowledge any of the science that proves this. And so, But you, but you encountered and experienced a lot of that. suffering and mental health and absolutely struggles it it
1: destroyed my mother's life basically and i i think that i speak for other abortion survivors like myself but also for women who are preyed upon you know i call my mother what I would say is like a prototype of a woman mm. who chooses abortion. Mm. Poor, minority, um, a lot of social problems. Um, and they're vulnerable to an industry that looks to make money off of them. Yep. It's, it's disgusting. And that's their whole, that's the culture of death you're talking about. That's their mm-hmm. pursuit. That's their chief goal. That yeah. was Dr. Apollodivi's chief goal. He did not care about my mother. He did yep. not care about the well-being of her children at home. He exactly. had no interest in caring about any of those things. Yep, yep.
0: Uh, Myra Rodriguez, who's a uh, former, staffer for Planned Parenthood. I think she was a clinic director. Right. I had her on the podcast over a year ago and, uh, she tells some horror stories of Planned Parenthood clinics centers preying on illegal immigrants mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. saying, well, you know, if you go to the hospital, if you go to that pregnancy center, if you go to that obstetrician gynecologist over there, You know, they're going to report you you. and you're going to have to go back home. So just come over here. We'll take care of you. Literally preying on them with threat of deportation in order to kill their child, knowing that they'll be subsidized through the state at a greater rate than they would with a cash patient. Wow. (laughs) You know, so, I mean, we have all the stories from people who have been on the other side and thankfully have come to the pro-life side. Um, But wow. So you were adopted
1: i was adopted by an amazing um fan, a christian family um, and they were close friends at different points with my birth mother and they tried to help her every chance they could they tried to help her with post-abortive healing they tried to help hmm. her get custody of her kids back they tried to wow. provide her um like they threw birthday parties for my siblings they went out of their way to try to support her. Wow. And that was without a guarantee of any adoption because you know the goal of foster care and I always say this is never if people think oh foster care is for adoption. Foster care is for reunification yeah. with the birth family.
0: Even when it's not in the best interest of the child. Usually. And I'm a
1: big advocate for children that uh, go through long processes of trying to reunify uh, unsuccessfully and it causing them more pain and heartache than necessary. Yeah. 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 So, um, but I then, um, in my Christian family, my adopted mom was post-abortive, as I mentioned, and she did sidewalk counseling, um, with Silent No More and, um, did a lot of, um, healing ministries like Rachel's Vineyard. Hmm. She, uh, did some, um, rescue type things back in the day. Um, and she she's telling wow. you that proudly. <laughs> yeah. So I was introduced to the pro-life movement very fast and very wow. quickly. I got to see all of it, um, uh, in the early nineties and then, not sorry, the late nineties oh, and cool. later on. Yeah. So that was awesome. and then. Um, I went to college in 2012, graduated in a degree in communications um, at that time, and decided that I didn't want to do pro-life ministry. I was going to run away from it, um, and of course, God was like, "Just kidding, you're not <laughs> going to do that." So that's that's the short version. S-
0: so, did you start with Louisiana Right to Life?
1: All right, out of college, yes. Okay, I did wow. an internship with folks on the family when I was in college. So yeah. I was in college from 2008 to 2012, and then right from out of college, I went to Louisiana Right to Life.
0: So I know, having spoken to some other abortion survivors, how difficult it can be to begin telling your story.
1: It's very difficult. To
0: get vulnerable, it's very um, especially in a culture of death that not only celebrates, Sarah, but funds and requires tax dollars. Mm-hmm to fund the very act that nearly took your life. I mean, I I talk about this a lot with Melissa Oden, to to live under an administration Mm
1: -hmm.
0: that daily Mm -hmm. celebrates the act that nearly took your life and tells you you have no right to live and and you need to shut up. And so when Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley invite you to come onto the Hill, Mm -hmm. we're not gonna stare at you. We're not going to look at you. We're going to ignore you. And we're going to direct all questions to the abortion supporters that came for this panel or this subcommittee mm-hmm. and none to you. Uh, to live with that kind of hatred. Yeah. Because I always tell people, I often say, you know, you need to understand these people hate babies. They hate the pre-born mm-hmm. because they believe they should have orgasms without responsibility. and And, you know, people kind of, you know sneer and laugh when I speak like that. It's like, they don't come on. Nobody hates babies. It's just, it's just healthcare. And sometimes the mom's not in the best place. It's like, no, you don't understand. There is a hatred mm-hmm. for the pre-born mm-hmm. because they get in the way of our selfish lifestyle. Right. Right. I, I think, I think at the, at the, at the root, root level, if we're, if we're going to go all the way down, I mean, really, if we go all the way down, sir, I think we have to call it the sacrament of Satan. Right. <laughs> that this is Definitely. the sacrament of an Absolutely. alternative religion. But, yeah. but just above that bottom layer, I think, I think at one of the most fundamental levels of this, Debate is the belief that we have the right to make difficult life problems. Just go away
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Even if that problem is a person right and so I, I cannot I have no place in my Consciousness and life experience to place what you and other abortion survivors must go for. I mean, I experience vitriol and hatred. I mean, I'm a, I go on university <laughs> right. campuses like, a, yes. but it's something different. It, yeah, like, it's something different to, to, to be stared at by people who believe you should be dead. I, I don't, I don't know what I would do with that, or how I would manage living under that weight every day. So, can you just like speak to that for people yeah. who are pro-life, or, but maybe they're listening to this, they're and they're new to the pro-life fight. Maybe maybe a pastor or an elder is listening to this, and their church hasn't done much. Like, help help people listening sure. to this to understand what that's like to have survived the att- an attempt to murder you in the womb have spent months in a preemie ward trying to recover from the act that nearly took your life and then, and then live in a culture that celebrates and forces Americans to fund the death of similar babies like you who barely survived and in a church that says, Oh, we don't do politics. We just preach the gospel, Sarah, while you're here pleading for them to have been speaking for you then. Like just help us understand what that's like. I can't imagine.
1: I would say it's soul crushing. It's soul crushing because you know it takes a lot for a person to heal from that experience, mm-hmm. right? For one. Oh, Two.
0: When did you learn?
1: Oh, I learned from my birth mother. Yeah, tell that life. story
0: because that, that's part sure, of your sure. that's part of your same answer as that. Sure. The, how she you.
1: told me that she was naive and scared and thought she knew another choice. About seven or eight. Oh, that's young. Yeah. yeah. And then
0: you're, you're, you're Whoa, whoa whoa. Oh, your birth mother told you at seven or eight? Yeah,
1: my birth mother. And then, um, you know, I talked to my adoptive mother later about it. And, um, you know, she didn't want to be the person to tell me because she didn't think it was her place. But also she didn't want me to feel rejected and feel like I wasn't loved. It's a lot of pain. It's a lot of trauma to experience. Thankfully, I was able to have a redundant conversation with my um, birth mother before she passed away. She passed away in 2010 when I was in college. And um, she... Did apologize to me, and explained that what we hear all the time was that she felt coerced. She felt she had no choice to to, to do anything different than what she did. My birth father had abandoned her. Had that not, nothing to do with me at all, um, and that's nice. why she, what led her to that decision. But um, yes, very soul crushing. I would say I had a really powerful encounter. Um, I visited. Um, I don't know if you remember. Uh, Dr. Tiller in yeah, of Wichita, Kansas, right? Yeah. Um, I visited his abortion facility. He was
0: the one who was murdered correct right. assassinated was yeah. shot by yes. a pro-lifer a yeah. yeah
1: that's what they say he yeah. was a lone gunman it was not yeah. like someone actually connected to the pro-life movement yeah, yeah. um but um, well the
0: pro-life movement has always condemned
1: absolutely the, uh,
0: the the murder of abortionists right um but it's so funny they use those one or two incidents of yes. someone who killed an abortionist oh to, you see it in all those to, articles to, they yeah. scribe, they cry bloody murder i'm like listen i'm not condoning that for anyone listening to this right I, but i'm just saying like Really? Yes. You're, you're going to get your panties in a wad now, abortion industry, and talk about the injustice of this? Shut up. Yes. You, you literally have profited billions off of slaughtering the innocent. And now your panties are in a wad because a murderer was murdered? Again, I'm not saying people should go out and right, shoot absolutely. abortionists, but it's so ludicrous.
1: <laughs> well, and they use it as as trying to shift blame. You know, like, oh, we kill babies, but we yeah. all kill...
0: So you were talking about... Taylor. Okay, Sorry. so yeah, so...
1: I was with my adopted mom and I visited his facility and at, on his facility, he had a crematorium Wait, on Why his were grounds. you visiting it? We were doing a, a summer uh, missions trip there. Okay. Yes, oh, yes. So
0: like a pro-life missions trip. Yes,
1: correct. This okay. was uh, around 2001, I want to say. Okay. So, um, so you were... I was like 11 years old. and yeah. um, okay. Wow. And um, I, I had come to some understanding of what my, mother's story, my mother's, mother's story was. But he had a crematorium on his grounds where he burned the bodies of the babies he killed in barbaric term abortions. He also, just I don't know if you knew this, I'm sure you did, but he also had baptized these babies and had pictures of himself with some priest of some kind yes. with the dead babies. I mean, my, my adopted mom had, mom had pictures of these. I saw them myself. So anyway, I'm standing Let there. Let me just pause you again. I know, it's like, so much, it's I, so much. I, I, like,
0: <sighs> I, I, I try to arrange my words in countless different arrangements to to get people to to rattle their conscience. yeah I, I'm renowned for for being like a little bit more of a spicy pro-life speaker so yeah. people either love me or hate me because of that but I'm not this like sweet polished Lila Rose like and I adore Lila but like I'm But it's because I'm always trying to find the spiciest arrangement Mm -hmm. to communicate, to rattle people's consciousness, to say, like, do do you understand? Do you see? Mm -hmm. Um, Because most people don't understand the wickedness and the demonic nature Mm -hmm. of the fight against abortion. Like, let let me just repeat what Sarah just said, guys. I don't know if you, like, if you caught that. Uh, And he's not the only one to have done things like this. Correct. Abortionists who either burn the bodies of their babies, some of them have collected them. And Gosnell. I covered this in my podcast all the time. Well, not just Gosnell, but there was this other dude a year and a half ago I covered on the podcast. I can't remember his name.
1: Oh, yes. I remember the case now. Yes. Yeah. A- yeah.
0: And after he passed, his, his wife found boxes and yes. bottles yes. of all the children he had killed. Some of them had dates on them, Sarah, that said like the 90s.
1: Yes, I remember this. And
0: then some of those women... Who he performed, well abortions are performed on babies, not on mothers, but who went in for the abortion were like reliving this trauma Mm -hmm. because they discovered that that was their baby he had kept. Yeah. Other abortionists have advertised services and Jill Stanek uh, uh, exposed this years ago. I haven't had the privilege of meeting Jill in person, but she interviewed me when I was at Westmont when I was holding dead baby photo signs of abortion okay um to okay. bring awareness of the fact that my Christian alma mater hires pro-abortion professors and all this stuff okay. and so Jill, Jill Sandning and I talked like back in 2012 but it's, it's been ages I don't know if she'd remember me but but she exposed some of this uh, at the Virginia hospital she was a nurse at okay that, that they were they were performing abortions but then they were giving women uh, it was either it was either at the hospital or an abortion center, but services where hospitals. you basically get to take a picture mm-hmm. and they dress up the murdered baby and mm-hmm. then the mom gets to take a picture.
1: Yes, it's of the baby she
0: paid someone to murder, and now you've got Tiller, who was baptizing murdered babies. I mean, yes. anyways, I'm I'm just repeating what you said for people listening and giving some other examples of like, if this doesn't wake you up to how demonic this is. Like I don't yeah. know what will. If yeah. they believed it was a blob of tissue, right, Sarah? What do they call right. it? Pregnancy tissue. Right. <laughs> if they believed that, they wouldn't behave like this.
1: Right. Right.
0: Anyways. So, so you were there. You were visiting the uh, crematorium yes. that he burned yes, babies. Yeah.
1: Well, well, yes. Okay. So I'm standing on the sidewalk with my adopted mom, and I have these white papers in my hand. Um, and she had her sign, she carried a sign, I regret my abortion, please come talk to me. That was one of her, um, her signs that she carried then. And um, wow. I remember something that looked like dirt falling on the paper. And I was like, mom, what's, what's, why is there dirt falling on my paper? And she said, Sarah, that's not dirt, that's that's from the babies that he, that's the ashes in the air from the babies he kills inside. And it was like in that moment, everything changed. like I began to realize how close my life was to literal ashes. Like, it was it was a life-changing moment for me, truly. It's when I, I would say I knew deep from the Lord and in my own life that this was going to be my mission to end this wickedness. Like, it was going to be my mission. I, had, I committed to it then. So even though I, at times, wrestled with the trauma and the pain and sorting through it and my mother's death and all these different things, I can't take back that experience mm-hmm. and being like, knowing that my life was very close to death just like that.
0: Wow. Well, I mean, it reminds me of... The ashes of the Jews,
1: right, floating
0: right. into the air from a concentration camp and falling onto the steeples, right, of local churches, right, who were too busy singing their hymns, right, to be bothered.
1: And, and maybe that's what the soul-crushing part is, right? Like it takes people like Melissa and and more so Melissa, because she's been in the public eye so much, so much internal strength mm. to have to get up and and go face to face with the culture of death. Yeah because we're saying you, you have to see me yeah. when they don't want, they want to pretend I never existed at all. Yeah.
0: I, I, and that's why I wanted to have you on the podcast there and why I, I always extend an invitation to abortion survivors coming on the podcast because as you know, most people who even call themselves pro-life, Christian or not, have no sense of this battle. They have no sense for what the fight is like. Right. And you know that I know right. that, and that's coming from people who call themselves pro-life, right. who have no sense of what the fight is really like. Right now, imagine being one of the pro-choice moderates in America. Right when when I say pro-choice moderate, I mean like you're not on board with Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer's views. Like you don't want right. abortion to point right. of birth, but you you probably support it up through somewhere in the second trimester. Right now, imagine you're being that person. You're even more disconnected from the nature of what this fight is really like and what this issue really means, and, and so. I, I sometimes use an analogy like imagine being a rape victim. Imagine having survived rape. Mm-hmm. Maybe you were pregnant by the rapist, maybe you weren't. Just imagine for a second guys, if you're listening to this, imagine the Democrat Party is proposing legislation not just to legalize rape so men can go back to treating women like property, mm-hmm. um, but they're, they're forcing you to actually um, fund uh, centers right. and brothels right. that allow men to to rape and enjoy women to whatever extent they want, and then leaving them um, yeah. and that, and, that, and, then, and then that's actually called that's actually called uh, a man's right. you mm. see this is this is a, a bodily autonomy issue. Mm. Uh, women used to be viewed and treated as property. Actually, actually, yeah. for in many civilizations for a long, long time until right. uh, that whole thing called the uh, oh yeah Christ Jesus and that whole thing called Christianity <laughs> right. started started elevating how women were treated right. Right? A- right as an image bearer of God and and an equal right um, so this is not outside of the realm of imagination no. uh, imagine what that would be like maybe if you're listening to this you 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 have been raped and you have survived a rape mm-hmm. Ima- just imagine for a second what that would be like to live under an administration mm-hmm. and in a culture. That celebrates mm-hmm. the act you were forced to endure,
1: right?
0: And, and then tells you, you need to shut up and take it. Right. On top of that, can you imagine after the believe all women thing we just had a couple of years ago, oh, right? Yeah. Can you right. imagine what that would be like? Right. In, Me in too. A, the Me Too movement. Well, guess what? All that. We do have it. We do have it. Yeah. The issue's actually just worse than rape because you see, rape doesn't always murder its victims. Abortion nearly always murders its victims. Right.
1: Right. Absolutely. And you were
0: the exception. You luckily escaped. Yes. Um, but you're not the majority. The majority of babies are killed through abortion. The majority of babies don't survive that yeah. abortion. And now you have to live in a culture and society that says, shut up. Mm-hmm. Don't tell your story because it compromises our movement.
1: Are they just, are they completely ignore us altogether. They yeah, tell time. us we some stories.
0: Ex- What's that been exist? like? Because you've been in the pro-life movement for some time now. I mean, yes. You work at Louisiana Right to Life, so you're not new. To no, this fight and this no, battle. No. Uh, do you have, I mean, enlighten us? What, sure.
1: Like, so, I mean, you know, interestingly, I have, um, even within my own family, I have family members who, on my adopted family side, um, that will, t- will tell me, well, you know, you're an exception. We're so glad you're here with us and we love you. But but there's yeah. but we don't believe in taking away a woman's right to have control over her own oh, body. Man. And it's like you think that is sufficient for someone like me? Do you, you just think rip, that response? you just rip them a
0: new one? I, I try so
1: hard not to, but but it's well, very Will you have my blessing <laughs>
0: and permission to rip them a new one? <laughs> it's
1: very difficult because what's surprising, and this is from someone or from people who I know love me, can say that if that that's what's so surprising is in the culture of death out in the public. They don't even want to they don't even see that you exist. They yeah. definitely would rather you be dead.
0: Well, will you know what their response often is? They actually will say that you're lying.
1: Oh, right. One of the
0: most common right. responses of, right. of the pro-abortion movement when abortion survivors tell their stories is, "Yeah, right. You're making that up."
1: And Tell us why someone would ever want to make that
0: well, Right, right. Why would you? I mean, I ca- yeah. you
1: know what I'm saying? Like, for what purpose would I ever, you know, that's what I always think. I'm like, you think Alyssa Odin gets up there and says all that she says because it's fun to do? Yeah. Nobody wants to have to do this. Right, right. But we have to do this. Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting really passionate what now. What you see? Just because it's, yeah. yeah. That, well, yeah. that's
0: why I said you have my blessing to rip your family a new one. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I can't.
1: I... Yeah, it's challenging. Or, or sure. maybe
0: I'll do it for you. You, you can call me you know next what I'll time do, you're with them. we will we'll, give the them a link to the
1: show. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, you know, um, the one thing that interested me that Melissa Oden said one time that I did, I did not know, she said most abortion survivors don't bear physical injuries. Because mm-hmm. most people think like an abortion survivor right. would have all these missing limbs or, all, or disfigurement. It's
1: parals, palsy, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, well I mean, Gianna Jessen, yeah. obviously. Yeah. yeah. But,
0: but, um, but she said most abortion survivors don't bear physical injuries mm-hmm. from the attempt on their life. yeah. But of course, the, the psychological and the mental and all of that, I mean, right. it's still the same experience for all abortion survivors. Right. But a, a question that I always like to pose to pro-abortion supporters is when there is someone who's missing an arm or a leg,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? The question is, were they harmed by that abortion?
1: Mm.
0: Were they wronged? Mm. Because most people who look at someone who's saying, yo, life's difficult for me because I only have one arm. Do you know why I only have one arm? Because the abortion attempt on my life failed. Most pro-abortion supporters would say that that was wrong. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: In which case, how could it be wrong? Because if they were wronged, through that act, mm-hmm. then all abortions are wrong.
1: <laughs> well, it's interesting, On the, um, I always think about this. You know, um, When I was in college, I read this article, um, and I think the pro-abortion movement is moving more and more toward this. I think they actually know it's a human life. You know no, what I mean? Correct. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, they right. 100%, they say the blob of tissue stuff. They rarely yeah. say it now. We though, all know actually. we're killing babies. Yeah, so. they know that now. It's really, what it is though is, they say this very clearly the rights of the mother trump the rights of oh, yeah. the baby that's yeah. what they believe and that's yeah. what they want the world to believe yep. that no matter what even if it is killing a baby it doesn't matter
0: yep but which, where do you which, draw the line which with that? is why i say I it's, mean, it's no different than slavery because when, when someone says it's her body her choice or when someone says the mother's right to bodily autonomy comes first you know what they're saying right sarah they're just telling you that the baby is the mother's property Right. That, that, is, that is synonymous yes. with what they're saying. Yes. Well, that's that, Well, not the first time we've called a class of human beings property. So right. as I often say, the Democrat party once said that blacks were the property of plantation owners whose land they lived on. Mm. And now the same party says that babies are the property of their mothers whose bodies they live in. But mm. where one is wow. has no bearing on who one is. And wow. when will we learn the stinking lesson that no person is property? So they, they view babies the same way that that the plantation owners view black people. Yeah. It's indistinguishable.
1: Yeah. We're disposable. Yeah. It's very sad. Yeah.
0: So yeah. as we wind down, Sarah, we should talk about what happened on Capitol Hill last week.
1: Yes. Yeah, so my congressman, Steve Scalise, we finally got a vote on uh, the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act. And it was a 2020-2010 vote, which you would think this is a common sense piece of legislation. This is about babies who survive abortions that are at this point outside of the womb, this is as common sense as someone could get. Every pro-abortion person in that, in Congress should support this legislation. But of course they're not going to. They're gonna argue that's not necessary. They're gonna argue that this never happens.
0: So let's do that. Let's play those arguments. I'll play devil's advocate right now. Uh, Sarah, this is just a, it's a Republican ploy to pull us into an argument about abortion when the Listen if infanticide doesn't happen, Sarah, you're, this is ridiculous ba- b- Babies don't survive failed abortions. That's a Republican talking point point. Uh, and, and if in the random rare case it happens Then that's why we had Bush's Born Alive Infant Protection Act. The cool. baby is, de- is declared a person that this is just it's just partisan politics um, This doesn't happen. No, but nobody's killing Babies that survive botched abortions. So why is this necessary? That that's what that's what they say
1: too. Right. First this, of all, and I really here. wanted, I was hoping to get to say this on Fox. Is um, we know from Melissa's work and from the work of the Abortion Survivors Network that there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and more come out all the time right. um, of abortion survivors. Right. But you're going to tell me that saving just one life is not a good enough reason. Hmm. Just one. <laughs> Just my life. Just Melissa's life. Right. Isn't a good enough reason? Yeah, yeah. Is that what the Democratic Party wants to tell me? Right. In Congress? Is that what they want to say? Well, and
0: Gosnell is the ultimate sort of comeback for any Democrat that would say this isn't happening. You're just making things up, scenarios yes. up in order to yes. like accrue political power. That's kind of what they criticize yes. the supporters of the bill for doing. It's like, no, we, we know that babies have been born alive during botched abortions and had their, their spinal Sniffed cord off. snipped off. And not only like that,
1: but they lived... <laughs> and suffered yeah. before well, and some they of this died. Is,
0: some of this is documented, right? Some of the work absolutely. that Melissa has done yes, absolutely. Yes, and yeah, so if yeah. you
1: read the case with Gosnell, you can see in that report how horrifically he treated those babies' bodies yeah. and how they suffered before they died. Yep. So there's, it's all their scheme to push it away and say it never happened.
0: How do you not, how do you exercise restraint if you're ever in a room with <sighs> or in close proximity to any member of the Democrats in the House of Representatives? Because, oh, but, by the way, why did I say that? Because last week, let's just update our my listeners. Sure. La- last week, uh, they voted on the Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act once again. Mm-hmm. Every Democrat... Except one. Except one yeah. voted against it. Correct. And every Republican member of the House voted for it. Correct. That's correct. Uh, and what would it do? Correct me if I'm wrong. It would... It would um, Require any baby born alive during a botched abortion to be given medical treatment and care Just like any other baby at the same gestational age under similar circumstances It requires that they immediately be transferred to a hospital. Yes, um, puts
1: the duty on the physician The physician right? because yes.
0: shocker abortion centers aren't places of life uh, <laughs> right. and So you have they're not right. equipped to care for babies Correct. who survived the instruments that were intended to kill them And then if the and then the bill has teeth unlike Bush's Criminalization, and so, yeah. yeah, and so if, if an abortion abortionist or abortion workers at a center don't adequately care for that child; they could be under criminal in, uh, investigation, correct. punishment as well. Right. Did I miss anything? No, you got minute? it. All. Okay. Yeah. So that's why uh, I don't know how you restrain yourself. Uh,
1: yeah, I would say you know my faith and um, what I believe about um, every everyone ha- should have dig- be treated with dignity and respect, and those include people who are unfortunately working in the kingdom of darkness, is what I would yeah. call it. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's a, it is a wicked, and depraved generation we live in. Yes. That is for sure. Yes. I, I, you know, pro-lifers and conservatives always get accused of the slippery slope argument. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, the old conservatives back when we had no fault divorce laws. You know, conservatives were saying, hey, if if we have no fault divorce laws, you know, before we know it, you know, we're gonna have, gay marriage. We're gonna have throuples. We're gonna have, um, you know. Pre- predicting the downstream mm-hmm. results of the culture of death and we're mocked and reviled and say yeah right
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: it's the same thing on the abortion fight right we say hey if you allow abortion next thing you know it'll be the infant
1: infanticide yep
0: next thing it'll be the elderly and yeah. and and back when conservatives were saying that we were mocked and reviled and called you know tin hat wearing conspiracy theorists yeah right yeah right and now we have to ask how far does this slippery slope go exactly we're, well, we're chopping up the genitalia of children who think they're the opposite gender, and we're first to call that uh, uh, gender affirmation surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're chopping up children through point of birth and under Muriel Bowser, the mayor of Washington DC, refusing to do investigations mm-hmm. into what we referred to earlier, which yes. is kind of proof right. positive of partial birth abortions, which are illegal, so why aren't you willing to investigate that? Why? Because I think they all know that many abortionists are still doing illegal partial birth abortion so they can't investigate it. And and, and, uh, now we're talking about babies who could be writhing on a hospital table Mm -hmm. or on a medical table, Mm -hmm. having just survived the abortion attempt on their life. And only one Democrat in the House of Representatives thinks that that should be criminalized and those babies should be protected. Where does this slippery slope end, Sarah?
1: we're, we're here, we're at the, hopefully. I mean, I don't know what's next, toddlers? I don't know, I really don't. Because, and this is what I've seen and watching in the last 33 years. This, the abortion culture get worse and worse and worse and worse. Yes. You begin to um, diminish the value of life in the womb at any point you're gonna diminish it outside the womb yep. all the time. You're gonna treat women like property. You're gonna treat women and wow. make them feel like this is the only solution for you. You actually can't succeed in life. You actually can't live without abortion. One well, what they really should be trying to do is help women get resources and be in relationships that are tr- where they're treated with dignity and respect and where abortion, they're not coerced into an abortion by a violent man or a man who has no interest in her care or preservation. Yeah. But that's what happens, yeah. absolutely.
0: So, as we close down, Sarah, uh, tell us a little bit about the work you do at Louisiana Right to Life. What is, sure. What does Louisiana Right to Life do? Louisiana
1: is very different than D.C. Yeah. and New York and Colorado. We have, um, I work in the communications department and I run all of our communications. Um, but in that process, we have done a lot of stuff with, like, the reversal of Roe, our trigger law, uh, our 2022 trigger law, which okay. effectively ended elective abortion in That's Louisiana right. when Roe was overturned, which was a huge victory for us. Yeah. Um, and ever since, it's been a real blur because it's just been nonstop. But Louisiana is a very interesting place. In Louisiana, we have um, pro-life Democrats, which is something that you don't see in oh, many. Katrina other. Um, Jackson, a big hero of mine. Yep. Yeah.
0: Uh, yes, that's right. She's really the only. Oh, see, I was mixing. Her up, I was mixing her up with Ketanji. Katanji Jackson is the new Supreme Court justice, right? Oh yes,
1: yes. But, to but then mix Katrina
0: them up. Jackson, she's
1: the one who authored the
0: Black pro-life Correct. democrats.
1: Correct. She authors some of our legislation. Okay. Yeah. So That's right. it's it's tricky territory, but it's um, you know, Louisiana's an amazing place because we have uh pro-life majorities in um, our legislature, which is is rare, uh I would say when it comes to party politics. So
0: Yep. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Sarah, how can people connect with you, book you as a speaker? Sure. So, uh, learn more about your story. Yeah,
1: absolutely. All my stuff is on sarahzagorski.com. I also was just published in the book Choose Life with Moody Publishers. And oh, wow. that came out last year. Um, so they can look at that or they can go to my website and they can see it there too. Is it your book? Um, I'm a part of a book with Elvita King okay. um, and cool. some others, yeah.
0: Cool. Wonderful. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Sarah Zagorski, Louisiana Right to Life. Um, do you do speaking as well? I do
1: okay. often, yeah. Good, good. Yeah.
0: Um, I, uh, I've enjoyed keynoting uh, banquets for you know pregnancy centers for years now.
1: Yes, it's wonderful, isn't it? As yeah, a gift. Yeah,
0: seeing the work they do all around the country, mm-hmm. and you know, my mother was ke- directing right. one of those centers when she was pregnant with me in nineteen ninety-one in LA County, and they have, I believe, pregnancy centers have increased by about eighty percent from the nineteen eighties to today. That's um, and we idea outnumber that. abortion centers um, we do, more yes. than two to one, yes. and yet most people are not even aware of the work that they do. Right. So, uh, so guys, uh, book Sarah as a speaker for your event. Bring her to your church conference. Uh, we we need your story and so many others like you yes. to be told to be platformed. I mean, abortion survivors should be on, in my opinion, should be on every. Podcast of any concert anyone that calls themselves a conservative, whether that's Daily Wire, right. or Glenn Beck, or The Blaze. I mean, like it, it, you, people should be begging for you to come and tell your stories because it's the it's the it's the side of the story that's never told, right? 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 It's Absolutely. always oh the babies that died, right? So we either mourn the babies that died, or if you're pro-choice, you're celebrating the mother's right for the dead babies, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. No one will listen to the stories of people who say, I barely made it out of life, yeah. and here I am.
1: So. Well, thanks so much for having me. Yeah. I really enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, thank you great. for telling your thank story, you.
0: sir. We appreciate it. Stay bold, okay? I will. Stay I'll fearless. I, 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 like I said, I, I can't imagine how I, I would lose my mind. <laughs> uh, knowing my personality, I would. it would be very hard to restrain myself from these, these people who... Could not be more evil screaming at you that you should be dead. Right. And we're hoping to find some of those people on the sidewalk this week yes, while we're in D.C. Yes, absolutely. Uh, nothing brings me more joy than uh, being like Elijah on the hill with the prophets of Baal. Yes. And after God me rains too. down fire yeah. from heaven, going up to the prophets of Baal and going, so uh, where's your God? Is he, and Elijah literally says to the prophets of Baal, is he relieving himself? Like, is he on the toilet? Like, I think <laughs> right. we need more of that kind of like confidence yes. in the church today. We do. To say, Agreed. you know, here is our God.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Where is your puny little God? Yeah. And we should have that kind of confidence being on the right side of this because these are babies, these are human beings, these yes. are children. Yes. And uh, if we won't be their voice, then n- n- not only who, who will be their voice, but what does that do to us, right. to our soul? Right. for being silent in this Holocaust. Right, so, we can't be silent. Yeah, no. amen. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much. Keep up the good work. Thanks for joining the show today, guys. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give the show a rating and review. Let us know what you think. Uh, SarahZagorski.com. Sarah uh, go check. very easy to remember, and we'll put that in the show notes as well. Go check out her website. Uh, book her. Uh, get, get as many abortion survivors booked to tell their stories as possible and reshare this episode ah, with your pro-choice friends. Send this to pro-choice Uncle Bob. Send this to your family members and friends who believe that it is a woman's fundamental right um, to uh, to have murdered Sarah here, who's sitting right in front of me. Um, see, that that's how we push back is the babies who barely survived um, boldly telling their stories in the public square and looking the culture of death in the eye um, and refusing to back down. So um, help their stories get out there, contribute to her ministry, her speaking ministry, Louisiana Right to Life. um, And uh, we'll continue coming at you with wonderful conversations, interviews with pro-life leaders here in Washington, D.C., 2023, the first March for Life since the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Until next time, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.